Due to technical and philosophical disagreements on how the Bitcoin protocol should be upgraded, discussion around taproot activation turned out to be a long and sometimes heated debate. Now it has resulted in two different taproot activation paths embedded in two main software clients that could in some scenarios even become incompatible with one another. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan, and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. So what on earth is going on with all of this taproot mess? Uh, we have another great piece uh, from Bitcoin Magazine and uh, author Aaron Van Wordham. We've had on the show, or we've read on the show and had him on the show, but read on the show many, many times. Uh, and uh, he gets into all the details for us about what's going on with these uh, taproot clients. Uh, but before we get into it, I really want to do a quick overview of like they kind of set the stage here for those of you who don't know, but it should only be a minute or two to kind of hit the basics of what Taproot is and kind of how we got here. Uh, real fast though, some love to the Bitbox O2 for keeping the keys to my Bitcoin future safe um, and easy to use on an open source hardware device. Um, if you have significant savings in Bitcoin and you don't have a hardware device yet, it's it's a no brainer to me. You need to keep it safe and you need to hold it, hold your own keys. Uh, the Bitbox O2, you can find that at guyswan.com slash bitbox. And of course, if you're not stacking regularly, I didn't miss this dip. I stacked this dip with swanbitcoin.com slash guy on that note. My ref link gets you some free sats and supports the show. But it is the auto DCA uh, every month, every week, every day, whatever your flavor, uh, Bitcoin stack. Uh, automatic savings plan, you don't have to do anything, it just runs. And both of those guys make Bitcoin Audible possible. Check them both out at Guy Swan, Swan with two N's.com. So uh, I, I don't want to do a full breakdown of Taproot, um, but uh, if you really want to take a deep dive, uh, go to bitcoinaudible.com slash library. Just type in Taproot, T-A-P-R-O-O-T. We've covered from a ton of different angles on this show talked about it a lot um and aaron himself actually has a really wonderful piece breaking it all down i think we've read like two or three pieces that he's done on or around taproot but in a in a nutshell just to get the idea everybody knows there's a limited block space right there's there's a limited amount of data that bitcoin can process at any specific amount of time and when you add instructions to a transaction including the most simplest, the one, the, the most simplest, including the simplest one um, that you include in every transaction that like only Bob can spend these coins uh, for which, you know, if I'm sending coins to Bob, but also any other complex script that like, let's say Bob can spend the coins only if Alice also signs, but if Alice doesn't sign, Bob can spend them after 144 blocks by himself However, if Alice provides a certain secret before those 144 blocks is up, 
then Alice gets all the coins. Uh, and, you know, this can get increasingly complex. What I just gave is kind of a simplified, actually it is a simplified version of lightning, like how that actually works. Um, but you have to write down all of that into the transaction. All of that script has to be included in the signature data. And the more complex stuff you do, the bigger and bulkier that data gets, and it can get really obnoxious really fast. Taproot is a protocol upgrade that turns all of that scripting data, even if it has a thousand different branches of fail-safes and backups and what-if clauses after six months and blah, blah, shrinks it all down into a single uniform-sized signature. So this not only provides extraordinary data savings for more complex smart contracts, but uh, which is pretty relevant right now with fees being pretty huge. I mean, I think like the def uh, the median fee right now is like 16 bucks or something. Uh, but it also creates privacy in what the actual contract is doing. So you might have like seven or eight other parties, like your lawyer, a, a secondary business relationship, like, like the number of things that you could have in a Bitcoin contract are basically limitless. But you might not want to broadcast to the whole world that they're even involved. Like you don't want everybody to just be able to see that and all the potential backups and branches and attack vectors of who owns what just by looking at your transaction. And if it's all hidden in a taproot signature, none of it is visible. Even in the case of that complicated lightning contract, it looks exactly the same as if you were just sending one amount of Bitcoin to one person. The signature looks identical. It's a really powerful improvement to Bitcoin. And it even has the potential to make it uh, down the road so that you can actually batch with other people. So yes, we can uniform our our signatures down to one basic signature, even with a complex script, but then you could actually take hundreds of different signatures of different parties and compress those already compressed signatures down into just one signature as well. So this could create another multiple when it comes to data efficiency with batching and coin joins and multi-sig and, you know, like a peer-to-peer -peer batching protocol, like all sorts of things. Uh, so there's just an amazing amount of potential with this upgrade. Uh, and that that second part, the thing I just hit with um, combining different signatures into one is something that's uh, possible down the road after we have Taproot. Taproot makes that available. So that's Taproot in a nutshell. Um, and we're about to get the first major part of that on the network live. Uh, and right now we're basically arguing about how to turn it on. And that's where, this is much easier to cover, but that's where the lot equals true versus the lot equals false thing comes in. Uh, I've got a link in the show notes for a read where Aaron covers this whole thing and what it all means. Uh, but again, this is really simple. So basically, if we set this is, how do we turn this thing on? And we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to reach a certain number of nodes and miners on the network to update to the new code. Um, and before we turn it on, because, you know, everybody needs to be on the new rules before it's safe to cut them on. So basically setting this to false, lot false, means that we're going to try to activate. But if we don't hit a high amount of adoption, miners installing the new code here, uh, the, the amount that we would like, it just runs out. It just expires itself. And we start back at the drawing board and we come up with a new plan. 
lot equals true means that if we don't hit the adoption threshold, uh, screw it, let's turn it on anyway, which actually puts pressure on everybody to go ahead and adopt it and make sure they have it installed because there's a cost or a risk uh, to not doing so. Whereas in the other situation, somebody could actually support Taproot or not really care, but then not upgrade because who cares? Like just to, just to you know, be a nuisance or just because they don't want to do anything. So they could slow everyone down and prevent the Taproot upgrade from happening for no other reason than they just didn't want to be bothered. So hopefully that kind of lays the groundwork for now we're here. Now we have an argument about whether we want this thing to be true or false. And now there are two separate clients using two separate activation methods. What does that mean? So now I'm going to hand it over to the brilliant Aaron Von Wertham with today's article. And it's titled, There are now two Taproot Activation Clients. Here's why. By Aaron Von Wertham. There are now two different Taproot Activation paths embedded in Bitcoin software clients. Here is what this could mean for the Bitcoin protocol. Taproot, the proposed Bitcoin protocol upgrade for compact and privacy-preserving smart contracts, is getting closer to activation. The Taproot code itself had already been included in the most recent major Bitcoin Core release, Bitcoin Core 0.21.0, which is currently the de facto reference implementation for the Bitcoin protocol. The next step, was to deploy activation code for the upgrade to go live across the network. But due to technical and philosophical disagreements on how the Bitcoin protocol should be upgraded, discussion about Taproot activation turned out to be a long and sometimes heated debate. Now, it has resulted in two different Taproot activation paths embedded in two main software clients that could in some scenarios even become incompatible with one another. This is the story of these main two Taproot activation clients, the difference between them, and some possible scenarios going forward. Background Taproot activation has been the subject of discussion since early 2020. Over the course of more than a year of discourse across the Bitcoin development mailing list, a dedicated IRC channel, and other discussion forums, a rough consensus appeared to have formed around using the Bitcoin Improvement Proposal 8, BIP8, protocol to activate the soft fork. This would let miners activate the soft fork by signaling readiness until a timeout is reached. The final point of contention was around what should happen if not enough miners had signaled readiness when the timeout was reached, reflected in the lock-in on timeout, or LOT, parameter. If lot is set to false, lot equals false, the upgrade simply expires at timeout, and a new activation mechanism can be considered. If lot is set to true, lot equals true, however, nodes will from that point on only accept signaling blocks and reject any non-signaling blocks. Assuming that enough signaling blocks are mined in the first place, this guarantees activation. Without getting into all of the arguments on both sides of the lot debate, these are summarized here. Link to the article as well as the audio in read 502 will be available in the show notes. The disagreement appeared to be heading toward a deadlock. 
To avoid this, other proposals were considered, like a flag day activation without hash power signaling. But perhaps more importantly, some lot true proponents decided to launch a lot true client, a software fork of Bitcoin Core 0.21.0 that would activate Taproot using lot true regardless of what the Bitcoin Core project would do, if anything. But in a bit of a last-minute twist, something of a compromise between different factions was found in a proposal called Speedy Trial. Speedy Trial would offer a quick three-month window for miners to signal readiness for the upgrade. If miners would indeed signal readiness, Taproot would activate later in the year. Some delay was built in to allow users enough time to upgrade as well. The lot true proponents essentially accepted speedy trial because it was quick enough not to get in the way of their planned lot true activation, while lot false proponents accepted speedy trial because it essentially is a lot equals false implementation, just on a shorter timeline. The solution wasn't really what most on either side of the debate had hoped for, but it was at least more broadly acceptable than anything else. That is, until the specifics around speedy trial were being finalized, and both sides still ended up disagreeing on implementation details that would make speedy trial more or less compatible with the lot true client. The original philosophical divide between lot true and lot false, as well as the disagreement on speedy trial's implementation details, have now resulted in two different taproot activation clients. Bitcoin Core 0.21.1 and the Lot True client, named Bitcoin 0.21.0 based Taproot client 0.1. Bitcoin Core 0.21.1 Bitcoin Core 0.21.1, for the remainder of this article sometimes also simply referred to as Bitcoin Core, is an upcoming minor release of the Bitcoin Core software client. It is developed and endorsed by most of the regular Bitcoin Core contributors. A Bitcoin Core release candidate was published today, which could soon be confirmed as the official release. Either way, an official release will follow shortly. Bitcoin Core uses the final implementation of Speedy Trial for taproot activation. This means that the hash power signaling period will start at the first two-week difficulty period after April 23rd, which is currently estimated to begin on May 2nd. The signaling period will time out by the end of the last two-week difficulty period before August 11th. If at least 90% of miners signal readiness for the upgrade within any of the two-week difficulty periods between those two dates, Taproot will activate on Bitcoin block 709,632, which is estimated to be mined this November. If miners haven't activated Taproot by the end of the signaling period, the upgrade will expire. Bitcoin Core developers will then reassess and presumably follow up with different activation code in a future Bitcoin Core release. It hasn't been decided what this presumed second activation solution will be, however. Bitcoin Core 0.21.0 Based Taproot Client 0.1 for the remainder of this article simply referred to as Bitcoin Taproot, is the lot equals true client. Bitcoin Taproot is a software fork of Bitcoin Core 0.21.0.
the last major Bitcoin Core release. But with BIP8 lot equals true activation code added for Taproot. The project is maintained by the pseudonymous community members Bitcoin Mechanic and Shinobi, with Bitcoin Core developer and Bitcoin Knots lead maintainer Luke Dasher as the project's most notable and most experienced contributor. Note, although, quote, Bitcoin Core is referenced in the name of the client, most regular Bitcoin Core contributors do not endorse this specific client. Bitcoin Taproot has a signaling period that will start at Bitcoin block 681,408, which is estimated to be mined on May 2nd. It's almost certainly the same block that will mark the start of the speedy trial signaling period. Bitcoin Taproot's signaling period will end at Bitcoin block 760,032, however, which is estimated to be mined in October of the next year, 2022. If at least 90% of miners signal readiness for Taproot throughout any of the two-week difficulty periods between those two blocks, the upgrade will activate at Bitcoin block 709,632, or if it's already past that block, two weeks after the signaling threshold is met. In other words, Taproot would activate in November of this year at the earliest, the same as Bitcoin Core with speedy trial, but could still activate up to a year later, November 2022. In addition, and most importantly, Bitcoin Taproot uses lot equals true. Where Bitcoin Core's speedy trial would just expire if not enough miners signal readiness, Bitcoin Taproot clients will eventually end up requiring blocks to signal readiness, meaning that blocks that don't signal readiness would be rejected, if any. This means that the signaling threshold will definitely be met, assuming enough signaling blocks are mined, and Taproot is guaranteed to activate. Differences As such, there are three differences between Bitcoin Core and Bitcoin Taproot. The first difference is arguably a minor one. Bitcoin Core uses dates and times to mark when its signaling period can start and end, while Bitcoin Taproot uses only block heights. Most Bitcoin Core developers consider this a small or even trivial difference, so trivial that some figured it could be decided through a coin flip, but they eventually settled on using dates and times. Dasher, the most notable Bitcoin Taproot contributor, has a strong preference for using block heights, however. In short, the arguments for using block height are that it eradicates edge case scenarios where a difficulty period ends right around the end of the signaling window, while it precludes time warp attacks, where miners collude to fake block times, and it's more consistent. The upgrade definitely starts being enforced at a specific block height, regardless of date and time. Dasher also believes that the Bitcoin community had already settled on using block height for activation before speedy trial was even in the picture. The arguments for using block time are that it allows humans to schedule around the dates a bit easier. It requires fewer code changes compared to previous soft fork activations, and it's in some cases more convenient to run simulations on certain test networks. The second, bigger difference is that the Bitcoin Core's speedy trial signaling period only lasts for about three months, while Bitcoin Taproot's signaling period lasts for about 18 months. 
While the signaling periods for Bitcoin Core and Bitcoin Taproot are practically guaranteed to start at the same time, Bitcoin Taproot's signaling period will last for up to 15 months longer. The third and biggest difference is that Bitcoin Core's speedy trial signaling period will just expire if miners haven't signal readiness before the end of the three-month period, at which point a different activation strategy can be considered, while Bitcoin Taproot uses lot equals true to eventually only accept signaling blocks and thus guarantees Taproot activation. Incompatibilities Bitcoin Core and Bitcoin Taproot are starting out as compatible with one another. They coexist on the same Bitcoin network, accept and reject the same Bitcoin blocks, and generate the same Bitcoin blockchain from these blocks. This will remain the case if miners activate Taproot before the speedy trial deadline. In that case, Bitcoin Core and Bitcoin Taproot nodes will both start enforcing the Taproot upgrade on Bitcoin block 709,632 in November. But if miners don't signal readiness before the speedy trial deadline, Bitcoin Core and Bitcoin Taproot could become incompatible. There are two main scenarios in which this could happen. Most obviously, if a majority of miners fail to signal support before the end of the Bitcoin Taproot signaling period, October of 2022, Bitcoin Taproot nodes will start to reject non-signaling blocks, which Bitcoin Core nodes will still accept. In other words, the blockchain would split between Bitcoin Taproot nodes and Bitcoin Core nodes. The split could potentially last, meaning there would be two blockchains and two different coins as a result, a coin split. Less obviously, a majority of miners could at any time after the speedy trial signaling period, but before the end of the taproot signaling period, quote, false signal. They could signal readiness without actually planning to enforce the taproot rules. This wouldn't in itself make Bitcoin taproot and Bitcoin core nodes incompatible, but they would have a different interpretation of the Bitcoin protocol. Bitcoin Taproot would enforce Taproot rules, while Bitcoin Core would not. This could in turn split the network if an invalid Taproot transaction is mined. Bitcoin Taproot nodes would reject the block that includes this transaction, while Bitcoin Core nodes would accept it just fine. They wouldn't be enforcing the Taproot rules. If a majority of miners would continue to build on the invalid Taproot block, it would also result in a coin split. None of this is about to take place anytime soon. The very earliest that a coin split could happen is in November of this year, while the speedy trial signaling period would end in August. This would leave at least three months for either Bitcoin Taproot or Bitcoin Core to resolve the incompatibility, if they'd want to do so, or for Bitcoin users and miners to act accordingly. And that closes out the breakdown of our two-taproot situation uh, by Aaron Von Wordham. Let's go ahead and hit our sponsor for today, and uh, then I'll give my uh, take on all of this. Oh my god, is taproot activation going to be chaos? Are we going to have a coin split?
you know, if you're holding your own keys on a BitBox O2 hardware wallet, you don't actually have anything to worry about. Even in the highly unlikely case of a split, you hold the keys and therefore you hold both sets of coins to whichever one ends up being the dominant Bitcoin. And then when the time comes, you can dump your minority crappy fork. The problem is if things get contentious and your Bitcoin are on an exchange because you didn't get a BitBox O2, they might support the fork you disagree with and not honor the ownership of the others. Legit, this actually happened to a lot of people back in 2017. Don't hold IOUs. Hold your own keys. A simple, secure, open-source hardware wallet is your solution. The BitBox O2. If a storm comes again like the block size wars, just sit tight, wait it out. And even better is the BitBox is easy to use, it's really simple to set up, and it looks good. Go to guyswan.com slash BitBox and my name, Guy, G-U-Y, gets you 5% off as well. So don't forget, guyswan.com slash BitBox, discount code Guy. So as always, a uh, huge thank you to Aaron Von Wertham for putting this together. Um, I had actually been loosely following the situation and kind of wondering why the disagreement was so, uh, seemed pretty fervent, you know. Um, I think it was uh, Matt Corallo kind of, um, a number of people seemed to really kind of get on Luke about this. And, you know, that like they're right in the sense that this is, you know, Bitcoin taproot. Um uh, Luke Jr.'s and Shinobi's and Bitcoin Mechanics uh, alternative client here that activates Taproot with the deadline, essentially. It is unaudited in the sense, and this is like kind of what uh, I read in a couple of different comments and stuff on Twitter. It's unaudited in the sense that like the whole Bitcoin Core development community has not referenced this or like, you know, put their seal of approval on it. Um, and, you know, like, but the the maintainers are quote-unquote personalities that I trust um so uh, which may be maybe stupid I can't audit the code myself and I would never ever ever say that somebody should trust them because I tend to like I don't think they have any malicious intent here um but I had not pieced together what exactly that I hadn't really dug into the details yet of the Bitcoin taproot client that they have released um so uh you, you know assuming Aaron uh, has uh, found all the exact accurate information, which he usually does, um, and I depend on him a lot. He's amazing at breaking all of this stuff down and staying on top of it. But I was actually kind of surprised by how conservative it was, um, because from the the kind of the disagreement, it seemed like uh, that there might have been an unnecessary unnecessary amount of forcefulness or aggressiveness in trying to get Taproot activated in the alternative client, um, the Bitcoin Taproot client. But it doesn't seem that way. The fact that the initial period, you know, they talk about like the whole point of the speedy trial was to see if it works and if it doesn't, okay, well then let's get a secondary activation mechanism. Let's figure out like, you know, the next thing. But kind of the problem with going into it without knowing what the next activation method is going to be kind of puts us right back in the situation where now everybody's arguing again and we have no idea how to move forward. Like it doesn't, it, there's no reason to presume that just because speedy trial didn't activate that now we would suddenly 
have agreement on exactly how to move forward. In fact, maybe even less likely, maybe the disagreement is even worse. If we don't disagree now, if there's like contention around how the hell to turn this thing on, you know, why would that suddenly be cleared up if it turns out that the activation method that everybody agreed on didn't even work out? Like, wouldn't that very likely increase the divide where the people who are lot true like double down and be like we should have done this lot true from the beginning if there had been really if there'd been a lot of pressure for people to upgrade we would have upgraded we already had taproot and then the other side was like no speedy trial proves that we should have been more conservative and we should have had a longer longer time and we should have let miners signal like i feel like that just makes it worse um and kind of the interesting thing about this dynamic that they've split off and made their own lot true activation method which gives a whole other year right um like it lets taproot activate naturally with the 90 percent signaling threshold all the way into november of next year so it basically adds 12 months to the let's get the 90 let's get the 90 percent threshold and then attempts to at least seems like it i wish they had done the date and time i wish they had just kept the even though luke seems to be sold on the block height and from the arguments in in that regard I totally agree with him in that sense, that block height is the better measure. Like, you know, the hell if it's more convenient for, for people to schedule around. That's not the point. We should be trying to schedule around Bitcoin block height anyway. That should be our metric for time because that's how we come to consensus. We should be using block height. I, I just think that's, that's, the, that's the one with the least ambiguity of anything. If you are at this block height, you are at this block height, period. If you are at a certain day, there's no telling whether or not we're in a difficulty period or we're past it or before it. Like, it shifts, right? Everybody has the same block height in consensus. We should use block height to measure these, to sort this crap out. And if it requires more code from previous act soft fork activations, who cares? Like, we should be doing it that way anyway. We'll save ourselves the work on the next one if we go ahead and make the switch. That said, if Bitcoin Core was definitely going to go with the dates, the date and time, then I, I'd like, I feel like the, the client that's trying to, the alternative client here, Luke Dasher and Shinobi and Bitcoin Mechanics client, um, to activate Taproot with the lot true, I really wish they would have just gone with the same date and time so that they were definitely going to line up. It's still very, very likely that everything lines up because of the way the date and time is specified, but it's certainly not guaranteed because they are using two different metrics to coordinate. And for the sake of, you know, not breaking things, I wish they had just chosen on the same thing. That's like one, I know, very low probability issue, but nonetheless, it's something that's like, why are we... If we have a disagreement, but there is a way that these things can stay in consensus, these things can line up properly, which I think the, the, the alternative client mechanism is pretty clever. It's like, okay, rather than at the end of all of this, let's throw it all back into chaos and get us all arguing again. Let's have the second activation method ready to go. We're going to go ahead and start running that second activation method now so that we're on the timeline still. We're, we're still counting down if the speedy trial ends. And it helps to really push 
the the um the pressure or the encouragement to just go ahead and do speedy trial and be done with it and keep everything in lockstep if nobody is against taproot you know somebody needs to come out and be like no i'm not doing taproot and here's why to actually see why it is that you know maybe this maybe this isn't a good idea otherwise yeah let's activate it we've been sitting on our hands for 2 years i mean not quite but damn it it feels like that so this client actually feels less like an aggressive push to Oh, we're challenging Bitcoin Core, um, even even if it maybe it's perceived that way or even spoken about in that context, and more of a let's have the second, let's have the backup ready to go. Let's go ahead and start running the backup, and then everybody can just do the speedy trial. And if we're running both clients, then. Uh, in the in the case that the speedy trial goes through and everything happens like we think and hope it will, well then, good to go. Like everything just activates normally, and the Bitcoin the alternative client stays right in lockstep. Everything activates on the same block height. And then in addition, if the speedy trial doesn't work, like if uh, the threshold isn't actually met, there's time to figure out what to do to either switch over to the alternative client, make a compatible new release that works with the alternative client, or maybe there's not enough people running the alternative client and it just isn't that big of a concern. You know, if there's only a 100 nodes on the network running the alternative taproot client, eh, what's the, you know, those nodes run the risk of splitting off the network, but, um, you know, you're, you're willingly taking that risk, like, you know you know going into a lot true or a Bitcoin 8, um, a BIP 8 uh, with uh, forced activation. You know, so user activated soft fork in a sense. If you go into that not realizing that you might fork yourself off the network, then you shouldn't be downloading the client. And in fact, this is actually where I want to reiterate an old um, recommendation I have made and something that I do myself is run two nodes. Um, I know a lot of you probably don't even have one node yet, um, but if we're in like a soft fork period, I really like to run two separate nodes, one with the old client and one with the new client, so that in the case of a split or basically worst case scenario, I just shut the wrong one down. So let's say, let's say we get all UASF up in here and like, I'm like gung-ho about this and it's like, okay, like the pressure's really on and we have to decide either move forward with Taproot or not. And it's like 50-50 or 60-40 or something like that. And things are kind of leaning towards the Taproot way. Well, then I'm going to shut my other one downward, down. Them. We're just going to go, we're just going to go for it. We got a couple of weeks. Let's just push, push crazy hard and, you know, get everybody on board or something. I don't know, just a made-up scenario. I'd, probably if it was that close, I'd probably just roll back as opposed to push forward. But nonetheless, you, you know, there might be a scenario where uh, we want to just go full-on activation. Probably probably more like if it's like 87% and we haven't hit the 90% uh, percent threshold, it's like, all right, just man up. Like, let's just do this. Um, whoever is not upgrading at this point, it's been two years, you know, like it's it's October of 2022 and we're just getting right around the corner. It's like, if that 3%, that extra 3% doesn't want to upgrade Taproot, well, then they they had their chance. 
all the old nodes are safe. It's not like we're going to kick. It's not like people are going to get kicked off of Bitcoin um, if they're not using Taproot or something. It's just miners need to validate the new rules in order to stay active. And that's what we want. The consensus on the rules needs to be the same. So in that case, we move forward. But if not, just shut your Taproot client off. Right. Like like if you are in like a the more realistic situation where you have 50 50 or 40, 40 um, percent towards taproot or something like that. And it's real hairy and it looks like there's going to be a coin split. If you can really easily just shut down the relevant node that you need to um, uh, or just catch back up, resync the other node, you haven't like lost that client um, and you can just catch back up with the Bitcoin. Uh, 0.21.0 the pre-taproot client or whatever it is well then you've basically protected yourself from whatever potential problems that new version has uh has caused or could cause without forcing yourself to start from scratch and boot up a new node in two or three days you can basically you know in 30 minutes to an hour or whatever get back right in line with the chain tip and work from there that's at least what I do. I got a lot of extra computers lying around, so it's very easy for me. Um, but it's, a, it's an added barrier to the potentiality of a bug, the potentiality of a fork, whatever it is, that you can easily just drop one node and switch to another um, that are running separate pieces of software that are going to be less... The likelihood of them both being susceptible to the same problem Obviously, most specifically in the case of a soft fork where only one of them is running the soft fork, um, it, you know, just makes it easier. And when you're ready to switch over to one, when it looks like everything's ready to go and we're full on taproot, we hit a 90% threshold, just shut that other one down or upgrade it or whatever it is. Anyway, maybe that's overly cautious or ridiculous because now I've got two nodes signaling two different things on the network. But um, I'm not a miner, so it doesn't really matter um, in, in my context. I just want to be able to follow what the majority of miners do as long as it's what, you know, it's in line with what I think the rules of Bitcoin are. Like in the case of um, uh, validating a false taproot transaction or whatever, I want to go with my taproot client because that broke the rules, right? Um, and at the end of the day, the rules are about like the whole the whole purpose of the code is to maintain and preserve the rules, the ownership, the 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 philosophy or the purpose, I guess you could say, of Bitcoin. Um, and uh, and sometimes that has to be enforced in a sense with the social sphere, with the with the decision of which node to run. Inevitably, there's always the possibility of a bug um and that's kind of like a i don't know it's like a buffer in my mind of my own ability to choose and or direct around some potential problem like that or a fork that has no purpose and never needed to happen and was just kind of a mistake of competing clients like this sort of situation though i gotta admit after kind of getting the details the idea of a coin fork seems less and less likely in my opinion um the the risks and disagreements i feel like have really been kind of a little bit blown out of proportion you know maybe i mean everybody's still got ptsd from the uasf and the whole block size war situation so you know maybe maybe it's reasonable like in certain contexts 
Um, and like I've said in the past, I'm more of a just kind of a lot true kind of guy, um, particularly if we have a long timeout, like a long period to actually get that done. Um, which in this case, like uh, Aaron Van Wertham actually said, you know, you have three months to sort that out. And he's talking about from August to November when activation can happen on the alternative client. But technically, it's a lot longer than that because um, that's assuming that that client gets a 90% threshold, which if it doesn't, it doesn't actually ever click in until November of 2022 in the case of never reaching 90%. Um, so it's quite a bit longer than three months unless, of course, there is solid consensus on Taproot and a high minor adoption, which in that case... It seems like it seems pretty unlikely that that doesn't happen prior to August, right? Like like the speedy trial will probably succeed if that's the case. Now the only scenario that Aaron breaks down here, which I think is kind of inaccurate about when the risk of this is, and maybe I'm misunderstanding it. Aaron has probably done more work on it, so Maybe I would defer to him until I kind of dig into it a little bit more, but it says, it's this, this paragraph here, quote, Less obviously, a majority of miners could at any time after the speedy trial signaling period, but before the end of the Bitcoin taproot signaling period, false signal. They could signal readiness without actually planning to enforce the taproot rules. This wouldn't in itself make Bitcoin taproot and Bitcoin core nodes incompatible, they would have a different interpretation of the Bitcoin protocol. Bitcoin Taproot would enforce Taproot rules, while Bitcoin Core would not. This could in turn split the network if an invalid Taproot transaction is mined. Now I'm going to stop right there because it seems like it's not really about that period um, specifically. So after the speedy trial signaling period ends, but before the Bitcoin Taproot signaling period ends, they could false signal. Um, and this would activate Taproot, well, technically, this could happen before that as well. Um, like, like, during the speedy trial, again, the signaling doesn't necessarily mean you are ready to enforce Taproot. It is still just signaling. There's no way to prove exactly that a miner has upgraded and is enforcing Taproot. It's all just signaling mechanisms. So they could false a signal to get the speedy trial to activate and then still not actually enforce the taproot rules. So this kind of feels like more of a soft fork in general problem and would always come about if a miner was signaling for taproot but then not enforcing the rules. Like technically, we could still have 60% of the miners not actually enforcing the SegWit rules and not know it. They're all just signaling for SegWit and signaling that they upgraded their clients to version blah, blah, blah. But we don't know. We're not like auditing their computers or anything. Maybe they just lied and updated their signaling. And if someone, someone tried to spend a SegWit output, maybe 50% of the nodes or 60% of the nodes don't even recognize that uh, it's an invalid signature because they're actually running really, really old clients. I mean, stu obviously this is ridiculously unlikely. But it could still be the case. Like, we could signal all day and just lie about what we're signaling. Um, and, you know, therein lies caution, right? Like, this, is, this sort of thing is always a potentiality. So I don't 
quite see, and, and maybe there's some dynamic that I'm not thinking about, like in the, the fact that lot equals true will basically activate it one way or the other, but it doesn't seem like that's actually any different in the period after the speedy trial and then before the end of the Bitcoin taproot signaling than it is really just a problem, period. Um, maybe, maybe there's like one little piece or dynamic that I'm not quite thinking about or uh, uh, taking into account, but it just seems like false signaling is just a problem with false signaling during a time where we're changing the consensus rules. And by that, obviously, I don't mean a hard fork where we're changing the consensus rules, we're changing them in the sense that we are restricting them and adding in a tightening of the rules, aka a soft fork, backwards compatible, you know, all the, the caveat of all that good stuff. So it's interesting, and after like kind of digging into this and you know getting this getting more specifics here, um, and I'm probably going to dive a little bit deeper now that like I kind of know what the details are. Um, but uh, it seems like it, you know at this point, just do the zero point two one point one client. Like that's probably what I'm going to do. I'm just going to upgrade my main Bitcoin node and uh, potentially my Umbral uh, when uh, when that client comes out. Um, maybe I'll wait on it. Again, it's an activation node, so I'll probably, I probably won't upgrade them both at once. Um, but uh, if it doesn't look like the speedy trial is going to hit in the three months, I don't know. kind of feels like just sign right over to the BIP8 client, or the alternative client. I mean, they're both BIP8, um, but the lot equals true client, and uh, use that as a backup. Be ready to roll back or implement a different Bitcoin Core client if they get a release candidate out fast enough to account for the potential problems that could result if it activates within the next year and three months or whatever, at, you know, when we hit August, if it doesn't lock in. Um, but I think it is going to lock in. Um, I think activation for Taproot is... I really hope it's going to go smoothly. There does not seem to be much of a debate about Taproot. All the, all the, all the debate that I have seen is about how to turn the damn switch on. Um, so uh, it feels like a no-brainer to me. Uh, just go with the Bitcoin Core client. We've got an activation method. Speedy trial is a pretty good setup, but I'm kind of glad we've got a more aggressive, all-or-nothing sort of client in the backup. As, as a backup and doesn't explicitly try to compete with the Bitcoin Core method um, because, you know, it, everything's basically in line. Like if everything goes through with a speedy trial, the other client will operate exactly the same. And we've just got one that's got a, got a backup plan, a backup plan that caveat, you know, could cause a headache um, and could cause some problems. But um uh, Again, I think there's time to sort it out. It's not as if this is happening in a vacuum. Uh, people will be screaming about whatever potentialities could occur and whatever signaling thresholds there are. And I think the path forward will get more and more clear as we get closer to these things and we see what that discrepancy is, we see what the difference is, and who should upgrade forward or downgrade or whatever it is. You know, I have trust that it'll get sorted out, honestly. The fact that there's no contention over the upgrade makes the pressure to upgrade, I think, less of a risk than a lot of people are considering it. Um, but, you, you know, we'll see. Um, I'm excited to get to 1.1 1 
and get the speedy trial up and running. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully we just get like a solid month of just berating the crap out of miners and pools and everybody. And we hit that 90% threshold and we just go. Um, and none of this is ever even an issue. So that's on you. That's on all of you. Uh, everybody hashtag taproot when that thing lands. Everybody get an upgrade. Uh, get on Umbral. Get on my node. Get on everybody to get that client out and make it happen. So with that, a uh, big thank you to our two wonderful sponsors, the Auto DCA Automatic Bitcoin Savings Plan. Set it once and forget it at swanbitcoin.com slash guy and you get free uh, sats to start off your plan. And then the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet where you are going to withdraw to hold your keys on the Bitbox by Shift Crypto. Check them out at guyswan.com slash bitbox. Today's Bitcoin resource, not an ad. Again, uh, this is just something that I've been using a lot recently is Blue Wallet. Um, I am a big fan. I have a couple of watch-only wallets now with Blue Wallet, and their Lightning Wallet is custodial. They don't have a non-custodial version yet, but it's a really great one to offload, specifically if you're trying to get quick liquidity, is you can spend, it's kind of like, it's, it's a quick way to dump um, uh, extra funding into a custodial service if you're running out of uh, basically inbound capacity on your lightning node like let's say you can only receive a million sats and you suddenly receive a whole bunch of incoming transactions well you can send out and basically empty it so that you can receive more um, in your lightning wallet and your custodial and just hold it I mean excuse me your non-custodial uh, and you can just hold it over in blue wallet um, you can hold it in a custodial wallet temporarily until you can atomic swap or send to your savings or whatever it is you're going to do. It's just a great wallet all around, Bitcoin wallet and Lightning, um, and uh, tons of tons of really cool features. So, uh, you know, free shout out uh, for those guys because it's a tool I use quite a bit. All right, guys, with that, thank you all so much for listening. This is Bitcoin Audible, and I am Guy Swan. And until next time, everybody, take it easy, guys. This has been a 111 production and you were listening to Bitcoin Audible on the Crypto Economy Network.